Let me just do this and tell you who our guest is in a moment and commence a dialogue with him when we come forward. I am honored to commence uh, today's program in dialogue with my friend and brother, veteran columnist and nationally syndicated radio host, Bill Press. You may recall, and Bill's done so much in his career, but you may recall he was also co-host with some guy named Tucker Carlson uh, during their CNN days. And uh, Tucker, of course, is just Flipped everybody. Now, speaking of house flipping, he's flipped all the rest of us out <laughs> with this dialogue with Vladimir Putin the other day. I digress on that for now. I am pleased to have for the rest of this hour, Bill Press talking politics when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Smiley continues when we come forward. 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 Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Nasty Syndicated Radio Host Bill Press, who I'm delighted to now have live on this program. Bill Press, how are you, my friend? My brother Tavis, how you doing? Man, if I complain, <laughs> if I complain, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing well, and I'm glad to hear your voice on this program. You've been good? I've been great. I gotta tell you, I it is so good to hear you. And I want I want to give your listeners just a quick little background here, right? Because you and I go way back. I remember years back, I was on KFI, mm-hmm. and I got a call from this young man in uh, South Central who had started his media career, wanted to build his media career. He was doing some things, writing some articles, as I recall, maybe doing a little radio. And his name was Tavis Smiley. We got together. Well, you were probably 18. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you know, we got together. I, you didn't need much help. I think I maybe gave you a couple of tips. We got together a couple of times. And, man, Tavis, I have just been so impressed watching your career just, I mean, you just took off like a rocket, man. You know, no, and you're you. good. National television, national radio. I was on your national television show. And now with this new KBLA, I mean, the first black-owned news talk radio station in the, in the country, so far as I know, 1580 AM. I am so proud of you. I mean, you are you're you're the cutting edge man. You're still making you're still making things happen and I'm I'm proud to be with you and I'm proud to call you my friend. As you can tell, he is indeed my friend. <laughs> Only friends. <laughs> Only friends give you that kind of that kind of love. I, I am deeply grateful. And now no, we're the only one west of the Mississippi. There there are a few other black owned stations. Sadly, sadly not yeah. enough. And I'm fortunate to be syndicated on those that do exist and, and beyond, of course. But in Chicago, in New Orleans, in Philadelphia, in DC, Baltimore. Right. But but you're right though. Talk radio, as you know, you've been in it for a long time. Talk radio is what I call Bill a conservative citadel. It is a conservative citadel. We have to fight really, really hard to break through with uh, with liberal and progressive voices on talk radio. What, let me just since you went, let me just follow you. And first of all, let me just say thank you for taking my phone call when I was a kid. Thank you for uh, allowing me to go to lunch with you a few times. And you gave some great advice, and I tried to tried to follow it, and have tried to make you proud. So thank you for for that friendship. You all, have all you've these done years. more than yeah, you've done more than that. And no. it's, you're. We need your voice, and it's great that your voice is still out there. I appreciate it, my friend, likewise. Um, so let me just ask that quick question. We'll move forward. Why do you think talk radio is still? It's one thing for it to have started out, started out that way. There have been a few fits and starts here. You recall Air America tried some years yeah. ago. Yeah. But, but, but why is, I get asked this question all the time myself. I have my own answer. I want to hear yours. More importantly, why is talk radio in this country such a conservative citadel? Why are there so few voices, comparatively speaking, that sound like Bill Press, Tavis Smiley, et cetera? Well, needless to say, I got I get asked that same question mm-hmm. all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And I fought it. I, you know, I was uh, I wasn't on Air America, but I had my own radio TV show. We mm-hmm. were syndicated nationally, and we maybe got up to a hundred stations. But you know, you got Limbaugh and Hannity. You know, there are four or five hundred stations. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a couple of things, Tavis. One is, 
let's face it, progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call us, right, um, our audience are not like <laughs> the right-wingers. I mean, they they don't need their hate fix every day, and that's what they get from this mm-hmm. right-wing talk radio. Mm-hmm. And they are so closed-minded, they don't hear any other voices. And damn it, a lot of our people, I mean, I love them, but they might like to listen to NBR so they hear all sides, right? Mm-hmm. Or they might like to listen to whatever. And And so we don't have that built-in needy, captive audience, number one. Number two, I think it comes down to this is the most important word that I that I believe, mm-hmm. ownership. Yeah. The, the Republicans went out there, the conservatives, they bought the stations, they bought the networks, they own, you could get, you go to some markets in this country, and, they're, and uh, Sean Hannity will be on four or five different radio stations in the same market. In the same city, that's it's correct. The, the owners, <laughs> the owners will not Put progressive voices on. They so they. they, I think the last check I looked, right? There were maybe two thousand talk radio stations Mm -hmm. in the country. There were twenty, twenty progressive stations, and they think that's a threat. (laughs) They don't want to hear it. They don't want any of us on the air. So we got to fight back. And and uh, I'm so glad you're still doing it. So am I. I got a podcast now. Yeah, not my, not my. Uh, regular show, but um, it's up twice a week. The, the Bill Press Pod. Anywhere people listen to podcasts, they can find the Bill Press Pod. We've got to we've got to fight that trend. We've got to do everything we can to get on uh, uh, as many platforms yeah. as we can with the truth. With yeah. the truth, yeah. you know. I was with um, I was with Bill Maher Saturday. He and I were <clears throat> sort of hanging out Saturday, and um, we find ourselves He's in the conversation. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill and I were hanging out Saturday night, and we were talking about this uh, deal that George Soros made news with last week. You probably saw this. So the the, the largest radio company uh, uh, network in the in in the nation is owned by iHeart. iHeart owns like what eight hundred plus radio stations, something like that. Many of them, those yeah. stations that Bill talked about, that that broadcast all this conservative. Uh, yep. nonsense every day. I love Bill's phrase. They, they need their hate fix every day. They get a hate fix every single day uh, from talk from conservative talk radio. But George Soros bought Odyssey last week. So Odyssey is like the second largest radio um, company in the country. And people have, have been kind of buoyed over the last 48 hours. Bill said, Bill asked me, what do you think about it? I said, well, most of the stations that Soros bought are not talk stations, but it, it, it just really kind of got people's attention that a guy at 93 would buy like almost 300 radio stations last week. So we'll see what he does with Odyssey, not to mention Odyssey has all those podcasts as well. So maybe yeah. the fact that a guy like George Soros has stepped up and bought a bunch of stations might mean something uh, in that regard. I don't know. We, we shall see. But I, I, I take your point, and I couldn't agree more, uh, that they need their, their audience needs a hate fix every day, number one, and it's ownership. And that's what I've been saying to folk uh, for a long time now. They said, Tavis, why did you do this? I said, I, it just came, it just, it just occurred to me that unless you step into the ownership realm, unless you start to yep. control your yep. own destiny, then and, yep. and have your own distribution platform, then you don't get a chance to put your voice out there. And so we're trying, we're trying the best we can over here, along with other stations across the country. So I'll, I'll leave that where it is for now. But I want to take you. You, you want to say something else, Bill? You want to say something? No, I was just going to say, uh, you are absolutely right, and God bless George Soros. Yeah. My, my question is. George, what took you so long? Yeah, good question. <laughs> good question. 
and, 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 and when George here, his answer might be, uh, and I didn't. This is the part of the story. I, the part of the story I didn't mention. He bought Odyssey out of bankruptcy, so maybe George's maybe George's answer is the price finally got low enough to justify me spending this much money uh, to buy buy almost three hundred radio stations. Maybe that's the answer. The price got low enough. Anyway, uh, I digress on that for now. Let me move forward. A lot of political stuff. I want to take your temperature on. Let me start with the obvious. Today, of course, is President's Day. It is President's Day. Let me just start with a broad question about what you make of. And again, this is not a question about Biden or Trump or anybody else. I'm yeah. talking now about the institution. It is President's Day. What do you make of the institution, the executive branch, the, the, the institution of the American presidency in this moment in late modernity? Well, first, I do have to say, I, was, I, I laughed out loud when I saw the latest ranking, which they do every President's Day, mm -hmm. of, of all the American presidents, you know, mm -hmm. all 50 of them, right? Uh, Joe Biden is number 14. These recordings are presidential historians in terms of what they've delivered, mm -hmm. how well they've done, how they've moved the American people and done the right thing for this country. So this is a totally non-political historians looking at all the American presidents. Joe Biden is number 14. Donald Trump is dead last. Mm -hmm. <laughs> dead last. Where, where he belongs, loser, and that's the word that he hates most of all. But mm -hmm. I have to – so back to your to, – to answer your question directly, Tavis. I think the American presidency, like the American democracy, is threatened today mm. because there's a chance – I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a chance Donald Trump is the Republican nominee – Donald Trump could win, particularly given the Electoral College. And if he is, if he does, the, the American presidency, as we know it, for 250 years or whatever, is gone. Mm. Because it'll be replaced by an autocrat, by a dictator, who says right now, we know that we're not making this up, that he should be above the law. That he, the president of the United States, would take an oath of office to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the United States, but they do not apply to him. Mm. That is totally antithetical to everything we believe, everything we've been taught to believe, everything we've lived by in the history of this country. So our government as we know it, the presidency as we know it, is on the line. Mm. That's my take for the presidency today. And as I say, it's real. And if you don't believe it, just listen to the latest Donald Trump rally. Yeah. Right? And yet, and yet, uh, with that said, Bill Press, there's a big story today. I've um, read a bunch of papers uh, today preparing for our conversations I do every day. And I believe it's the New York Times, but there's a big article, um, either the Post or the Times, I think the Times. But a big article today, uh, yeah, it is the Times, New York Times. A big article about liberal fatigue, <clears throat> about liberal fatigue. And it was, it was almost sort of depressing to read the article. Because at a moment where, to your point, Donald Trump could, in fact, win again, and every poll, survey, and study suggests that that whatever you think of this race, whatever you think of these two candidates, um, these two presumptive Republican and Democrat nominees, this is going to be a tight race. We ain't got to independence. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later in the hour. But it's going yeah. to be a tight race, tight race either way. And yet, while they're getting more animated on the other side, uh, this article talks about the liberal fatigue uh, that Democrats are trying to push back against. Uh, wh why, at a moment like this, would liberals be fatigued? And to the extent that they are, in fact, fatigued, as the article suggests, what does that mean for the future of the presidency? Well, I got to tell you, just hearing that term, and I, yeah, I saw the article too. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I when I left LA in 1996 and went national, <laughs> went to went to CNN to do Crossfire, mm -hmm. and Bill Clinton's running for re-election. Okay. 
and I get to CNN, and all everybody is talking about. I remember the great Bernard Shaw, who became a oh, really yes. good friend of mine, yeah. on his show one day, and he and Judy Woodruff, and they asked me, what about, the, the phrase was, Clinton fatigue, Clinton fatigue. And I just looked at them, and I said, you know, you guys spend too much time in Washington, D.C. Mm. I said, what the hell? What Clinton fatigue? Mm-hmm. Look at the polls. up. The American people, with all the Monica Lewinsky stuff and everything, people still love Bill Clinton. And he got reelected easily, as you recall, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think a lot of this is made up, number one. There, um, but um, there, <laughs> nobody drives me, conservatives drive me crazy, Tavis. <laughs> but liberals, liberals drive me more crazy <laughs> because, because they're so they're so they get they worry so much they're bedwetters and you know, so they'll say oh god we got two old guys i may just stay home liberal fatigue my message to liberals is get off your ass and get to work right i mean that there's a real threat as we just said to this country to, to our democracy to the presidency to everything we believe in Right. And this is no time to say, oh, I'm tired. No, this is the time to put your boots on and get out there and start walking precincts, making phone calls, you know, writing checks and um, delivering. And by the way, I think and I I heard you mention you're going to be talking to this labor leader in the next mm-hmm. hour. Right. Sure, sure. I think the American labor unions are really delivering now the mm-hmm. way uh more than they've ever done. They've always been kind of the backbone of the Democratic Party. Yeah. But it, you look at what the what the screenwriters pulled on, and oh, what yeah. the and, and the uh, uh, actors. You know, I'm a member of SAG after, and what the UAW did oh, this yeah. year, man, sure. they are showing right the strength of the labor movement. And this win in New York's third district last mm-hmm. week. Oh yeah. Uh, to where Tom Swasey came back and took the, <laughs> took the George Santos yeah. seat. But everybody, again, the media got it wrong. They were all saying, oh, this is going to be really, really tight. The Republicans are working hard. No, the labor unions got out there. They worked their ass off, and they delivered that. They brought that seat back. And so, um, yeah, no, forget this labor, this liberal fatigue. I mean, liberals just, this is, this, there's no more important time for everybody to be on the job doing everything yeah. they can. Um, you, you mentioned a few things I'm going to get to in this hour, uh, uh, since we got some more time here, obviously, and I'm glad we have the full hour. But since you mentioned Crossfire, it's on my list of things I want to go over with you. Let me let me just go there now, since you just mentioned CEO. Okay, you go. <clears throat> so I, 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 remember, I remember your Crossfire days. I was honored to be on that program when you were yes. co-hosting uh, Crossfire uh, with Tucker Carlson much earlier in my career. So you, you give me great advice, and then I end up being on your show years later. So it, it, it all kind of worked out for me, at least. Uh, but right. but take me back to those Crossfire days and tell me what you thought of Tucker then and tell me what you think of Tucker Carlson now. Well, all i got to say is, first of all, that was the greatest job in the world, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think being co-host of Crossfire. And I was up against, you may recall, Jerry Fer- Geraldine Ferraro and I, God love her, That's right. were, were, were co-hosting for a year. We were both on the left. And then Geraldine went off to run against Alphonse D'Amato. Mm-hmm. So... I was there six years. For five years, I was the only person on the left, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a host. I mean, you were, you were a guest, and I was so proud to welcome you to the show. Well, then, on the right, we had this rotating cast of characters that I would debate every night, right? Mm-hmm. Bob Novak, Pat Buchanan, mm-hmm. Mary Madeline, Geraldine Ferraro, right? 
I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, Mary Madeline and uh, Liz, uh, Lynn Cheney mm-hmm. every once in a while, John Sununu, and then you're right, Tucker Carlson. And all I can say is this, Tavis, the Tucker Carlson that I knew then, and I became friends with, yeah. actually, because Tucker and I had our own show on top of Crossfire for a couple of years called The Spin Room. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of us. The Tucker Carlson that I knew then, had lunch with then, traveled with then, is not the Tucker Carlson we, we saw on Fox News. It's not the Tucker Carlson we saw kissing Vladimir Putin's butt yeah. in, in Moscow last week. I don't know what happened. My own feeling is he doesn't believe half the stuff he says, um, but it may be wrong. And my own feeling is $15 million um, is a big incentive to say whatever the hell you think is going to get you the most viewers, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know, you know. I, I think I, he's. I think he sold his soul. Yeah. To um, to, to to the MAGA movement and and to Donald Trump, and yeah. he said privately he can't stand Donald Trump. He detests him, and yet he's the biggest Trumper out there right now, yeah. and joining Trump uh, in embracing. Vladimir Putin, of all people. Yeah, no, it is I, your assessment uh, is the same as mine. I want to talk more about this notion of selling your soul when we come forward, but your assessment is the same as mine. I, I didn't know Tucker, don't know Tucker as well as you do. We never co-hosted anything together, but Tucker and I were friends many years ago uh, because of all the stuff we did do together. Uh, and the Tucker Carlson I know today is not the one I knew then, so we, you and I could not be more simpatico about about that. This notion of selling your soul is something that's worth digging into. I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Rashida uh, Tlaib. Um, She is encouraging Democrats in Michigan to vote uncommitted, to not, N-O-T, to not support Joe Biden. The primary is getting a lot of steam in Michigan. Joe Biden barely won Michigan against Donald Trump a few years ago, only by three points. Michigan is going to be in play. But that Palestinian, that Arab American community is upset with Joe Biden. And now they're running a campaign called Uncommitted Vote uncommitted do not support joe biden in um the primary maybe in the general but not the primary we'll talk about uh tom swazi's victory in long island and whether or not that does anything whether it means anything for democrats uh into uh the next few months between now and november uh, everybody keeps talking about a tight race and a red wave maybe not uh, our guest is bill press and i'm glad about it you're listening to tavis smiley more of tavis smiley when we come forward Sounds different, huh? This is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in dialogue with Bill Press, uh, best-selling author, uh, national syndicated radio host, um, one of the uh, <laughs> uh, former hosts of Crossfire back in the day on CNN. Um, just an amazing guy. Now with the Bill Press podcast, wherever you get your podcast, check out the Bill Press Bill Press podcast twice a week. And I'm honored to have him on in this first hour, as we do uh, most days, uh, talking politics. And God knows there's a whole lot of politics to talk about. Um, let me let me come to this issue I raised a moment ago uh, about Joe Biden. Let me just set this up. I'm going to frame this properly, and I'll shut up okay. and, and shut up and let you respond, Bill. So on on the one hand, we know full well um, from every poll, survey, and study that. The American people um, want to see a ceasefire in the Middle East. That's what the polling tells us. It's time for a ceasefire. Um, The Biden administration has refused that. They have not even uttered the phrase ceasefire. Um, They've not talked about really de-escalation. They've spanked BB verbally a couple times in public. But here comes word once again this, uh, this morning that our U.N. ambassador, uh, our ambassador to the U.N., uh, Linda Thomas Greenfield says again today 
that when this next vote comes up, as it's about to come up now, uh, a U.N. vote on uh, calling for a ceasefire in this war, the U.S. will not support that ceasefire. So that word comes again today, and it's happened already before, but once again, we are told that our U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield, says today that she will not vote for a ceasefire. So the data is incontrovertible. The Biden administration keeps saying we're not going to force BB into a ceasefire. They told him not to go to Rafa. He went anyway. We keep sending weapons to him. And again, I repeat, they say again today that we are not going to vote for this ceasefire. That's one side of the equation. On the other side, because of all that I just laid out, Rashida Tlaib, a member of Congress, of course, member of the squad, controversial, uh, though she may be in Michigan, is leading a major campaign that's gaining steam in Michigan called Vote Uncommitted. They are calling for voters in Michigan to vote uncommitted to not support Joe Biden in the primary. Now, you and I know politics. No matter what she says, Joe Biden will likely still win the primary in Michigan. Um, it's not like Dean Phillips, whatever his name is, the other guy running against him, whoever's <laughs> out there. It's not like Biden's yeah. going to lose the primary in Michigan, but it sends a strong strong signal. Remember the news story a couple weeks ago when Nikki Haley lost to like nobody on the Nevada ballot? Yep. She yep. Lo- I mean, she lost to like, <laughs> I vote for nobody, basically. She lost to that person, nobody, the ghost. And it became a huge national story. The president could get embarrassed in the same way if this campaign to vote uncommitted is successful in Michigan. So the data is there. They hear the American people. They keep saying we're not going to support this ceasefire. Michigan, which Biden barely won by three points against Trump a few years ago, is going to be in play. I now shut up. Tell me how you read all of that, Bill Press. <laughs> Tavis, again, it's an honor to be with you today and just great to reconnect, reconnect with you. Okay, let me, let me say, first of all, I think that Joe Biden did the right thing mm-hmm. when uh, Hamas attacked Israel. Uh, and killed some 1,200 Israelis in an unprovoked attack across the line in the most brutal way possible, that Joe Biden showed a lot of strength and a lot of leadership in getting on a plane right away, going to Tel Aviv and saying, we stand with Israel and we we support Israel's right to defend itself, number Mm -hmm. one. Number Mm -hmm. two, I think it's damn long past time when Joe Biden should come out and say, we need a ceasefire now, BB. You have proved you've made your point. You have responded. You've killed some twenty, thirty thousand almost Palestinians. This has gone way too far. You've gone way over the line. I strongly think uh, that Biden should call for a ceasefire. I'm disappointed that he hasn't. Uh, and or if not that, at least say, which may be even stronger, we're not going to send any more money to Israel until they stop this. Um, just ruthless now attack on civilian lives in Gaza. You know, look, uh, for all practical purposes, Hamas is done. It's defeated. They've won. It's time to stop. It's time to stop the killing. And I, I, I'm disappointed that the, that the president hasn't said that. At the same time, and look, Rashida Tlaib, she's got a right to say anything she wants mm-hmm. politically, right? I think this is the case again when sometimes liberals are their own worst enemy. I would think of I hope I don't get it backwards, but Hillary Clinton says this all the time, right? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be perfect. I think you've got, yeah, this is one area where I think a lot of us can be disappointed 
and should be in Joe Biden because he hadn't delivered on this point. He hasn't gone far enough. You're right. He's been critical of Netanyahu, mm-hmm. more and more critical, but he hasn't gone far enough, I don't believe. Um, I think you have to weigh that against the threat of staying home, sitting it out, and letting Donald Trump get back in the White House, in which case, I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. seriously, Rashida Tlaib is going to say, uh, help Donald Trump as a way of punishing Joe Biden? I mean, help, she's going to say that even to Palestinians, and I understand again, they've absolutely, absolutely should be upset at Joe Biden for this. But what do you get with Donald Trump? Somebody who banned all Muslims from coming into this country when he was president and has promised to do it again when he is president? Somebody who says, I could end this war in one day, and you know where he would do it. He would give the West Bank and all of Gaza to BB and throw the Palestinians, any Arabs, out of Israel, out of that territory. That's that's Donald Trump's answer. So I, I just don't, you know... I, I I just think I understand their anger. I understand their frustration, their disappointment. But um, what so, price so, are they willing to pay so, for? So, so let, Donald Trump back in the White House. So, so let me let, let me let me let me press back on that. You and I, are dear friends, but let me press. Yeah. Let me press yeah. on that. Let me press. Please, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I'm and I'm pressing because I'm not. I, I hear your argument. It's, it's a powerful. It, it's it's powerful and 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 largely persuasive. Uh, and yet. Um, I've been uh, I've been at this long enough to know now. I started as a kid when I first knew you, but I've been at this long enough now to have seen this. This ain't my first rodeo. I've seen this so many times now, and I I get to the point of being beyond frustrated when there almost seems to be no way to hold people accountable because the argument is always okay. You can hold me accountable, but if you do, the other guy's gonna win. And I don't like that frame, Bill. I don't like the idea that I can't press on any president. I don't care if it's Biden. As you know, I caught I, I caught a bunch of hell for pushing back on Obama. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who the president is. For me, you get elected, and there's an honor in being held accountable. But if the answer is always, well, if you hold me accountable, you're stuck with the other guy, then what does that leave me? I mean, so I, I can't, I, I don't have any, any agency? I have no leverage. I have no way to hold you accountable because you're going to make me feel bad about the other guy getting elected. No. Well, then do something about the issue that I'm raising. Don't, Absolutely. don't, don't, thre- I, I, don't, I, I, don't no, threaten me with the no. other guy. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not, not going to disagree with you on that. But at the same time, you've been around this. You've been. This is not your first rodeo. It sure as hell ain't my <laughs> first rodeo, right? <laughs> Yeah, you don't win every battle. Okay, you fight every battle, but you do not win every single freaking battle. Mm-hmm. And again, what is the end price? I mean, what you're saying is, and look, look, I wrote a book right when Barack Obama was president, and I was covering him every day in the White House. I wrote a book called Buyer's Remorse. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> because, well. Yep, because as a liberal. As a progressive, I was disappointed Biden did, uh, Obama didn't go far enough. For example, on guns. Mm-hmm. Four years, first four years, he never mentioned the assault weapons ban. He That's never right. mentioned uh, any, any, doing anything about guns in, uh, in, in the streets. So, um, so our guys can disappoint us. But at the end, it comes down to an existential, fundamental choice that we're going to have to make, which is, I think, Save this country, save our democracy, or throw it away. Fair and enough. That to me, that to me is outweighs everything else.
Yep. I, I still have, I, I love Bill Press. I still have issues with that with, with that frame. I understand his point, and he and I agreed on the buyer's remorse thing uh, during the Obama era. I supported him because I thought he would open up. I thought I didn't think Barack Obama was the end-all, be-all. But I thought that voting for him would at least open up progressive possibilities for the future. It didn't do that. In fact, we got a backlash. There were no progressive possibilities that were opened. There's no evidence of that anywhere. What we got instead was a backlash. I digress for now. I'm with Bill Press when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Ranked number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Bill Press, um, you'll find this interesting, I think. Uh, speaking of uh, today being President's Day, uh, not long ago on this program, I had Douglas Brinkley, a brilliant presidential historian that you know quite well. So Brinkley was on this program, and he used the word spoiler in talking about these third-party candidates. And um, with all due respect to to this eminent uh, scholar, <laughs> Brinkley, I, I pushed back on him, and I've got the tape to prove it. He eventually, he eventually acknowledged that I was right and he was wrong about the use of the word spoiler. I hate when, when Douglas Brinkley used it. I hate when the mainstream media uses it because people have a right. If you're 35 and you're a naturalized citizen, you have the right to run for president. That does not make Robert Kennedy Jr. a spoiler. doesn't make Donald Trump a spoiler. I mean, doesn't make uh, Cornell West, rather, a spoiler. Uh, Ralph Nader was on this program last week, and he and I had a conversation about that same word, spoiler. He says, Tavis, you ever notice how the Democrats and Republicans never called each other spoilers? If you win, you spoiled, <laughs> you spoiled my campaign. So we only call independents spoilers, and I don't like that terminology. And so I'll push back on it. Here's the point I'm making, that... When we talk about Rashida Tlaib in Michigan and the brilliant point you made that, you know, you can't do something that's going to aid in the bet Donald Trump. He is an existential threat. Nothing about that statement do I disagree with. But this is how the Democratic Party gets itself in trouble when they when they don't listen to their people. When they're not liberal enough, when they're not progressive enough, you end up getting third-party candidates. And then when they show up, you want to crush them, you want to call them spoilers, and you want to tell us we're wrong to consider voting for them because it means Trump gets back in. Well, by that math, in that frame, uh, Bill Press, I never get a chance to express myself then. Uh, you got a, well, you got a chance. You can vote for any of those people you mentioned, Tavis, by the way, right? Yeah. That that That's a way to, you can express your... Uh, uh, your disagreement or your frustration, or you can vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. You can vote for Cornell West. You got you've got some choices, but when we get down to uh, November, I think you you've got two choices. It's going to be it's <laughs> going to be one or the other, right? And um, I I think it it really gets down to that. Are, are so, I, and I think by the way, Rashida Tlaib will definitely be behind Biden, as you indicated earlier, right? In the general, In the general election, sure, 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 sure. yeah. So I mean, um, it, God bless America, right? Yeah. <laughs> as many people go out there, as many people they can go out there, and as long as you say they're thirty-five, they've been born in this country, they can they can run for president. Uh, but in the end, I think when it comes down to Trump versus Biden, yeah. it's when I think we all just have to suck it up. Mm. And say, look, are we really going to vote for a rapist? Mm-hmm. Are we really going to vote for a guy who's paying hush money to porn stars? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we really <laughs> going to vote for a guy who says I'm going to weaponize the Justice Department? But 
That's so funny, right? They accuse Democrats of weaponizing government. Donald mm-hmm. Trump is promising he's going to weaponize the Justice Department to go after politicians who, d- who disagree with him yeah. and after the media. No, Davis. No, it's, right? Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, yeah. it's scary. There's no, it's, it's, it's scary. No, 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 no question about that. I just, um, I just think we have to be careful about our language. People have, to your point, people have a right to run. And they ought not be called spoilers because uh, your argument is that if you if I vote for you, it's a vote for Donald Trump. I, I don't buy that. I digress for now. Our remaining moments of Bill Press when we come forward on Tavis Smiling. Seeking the truth. Speaking the truth. This, this is the Tavis Smiley Show. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. Got about three minutes left here, Bill Press. I think I want to close on this note. We were talking earlier about all these people who suggested a, a couple of years ago there's going to be a this massive red wave that didn't quite turn out that way, and, and all the all the liberal fatigue that you and I talked about earlier in this hour, and all the polls and surveys and studies that suggest it's going to be a really, really, really tight race. Uh, and yet, uh, Tom Swazi pops up in Long Island. Uh, mm-hmm. and wins that seat that George Santos had to vacate. And now people are paying attention to that, and Democrats certainly are buoyed by that, and they believe that portends something better for November. So how do you read that particular that particular victory? And, again, because we know uh, what happened the last time, they said a red wave was coming and it didn't materialize. Uh, maybe Joe Biden is not, in, not in, in as much trouble as we think he's in. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> First of all, I do have to, I, I do have to add to the little conversation we had right before the break, right? right? No matter who you vote for, Tavis, I want you to know, we will not do what Donald Trump said and permanently bar you from the MAGA <laughs> world, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can vote for who you want. We're not going to permanently yeah, bar you from you. the Democratic Party. Or I whatever. You, Look, I, I thought that, Swosie, I think the, the we ought to all look at that, that L.A. seat because, first of all, the media did get it wrong, and I get so frustrated and so disappointed. My colleagues in the media who keep trying to, uh, uh, they, they believe the Republican propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. That they're so strong, that this is all going to, we're going to, the Democrats are going to get wiped out. Swosey ran a great campaign. They put up a lousy candidate. We had a great candidate. Swosey took the immigration issue on head on. He didn't duck it. He went right after them and he said, oh, yeah. You want to do something about the border? So do we. Guess what? We came up with a bipartisan bill, which your Republican Senator James Langford wrote, that would solve all your problems at the border, and you voted against it because Republicans did because Donald Trump told them to, right? Mm-hmm. He took it right on, and he won on that. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a message for Democrats around the country, is don't duck these issues. Don't be afraid of them. Take them on. You know, go go yeah. r- r- go right after them. And I think with that... Um, Joe Biden is not in as much trouble. I do believe that there's no way in the end Donald Trump's going to be convicted of uh, out of 91, I don't know, at least one, mm-hmm. maybe a dozen felonies mm-hmm. before this election. He's already been found liable for rape. He's going to be found liable for hush money payments. He's now been proven to be a con and lying about the worth of his businesses. So mm-hmm. his whole uh, that whole reputation of the s- successful businessman is done. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the end, the American people we, um, think too much of the presidency to put him back in. Nope, I think you, I think and hope you're right about that. We we, we shall see. I hope uh, between now and November, I'll, hear, I'll get a chance to hear the honor of uh, 
your voice on this program once again. His name is Bill Press. Uh, he's had a long time. He, uh, he, he, uh, he has earned that veteran title. He's the host of the Bill Press <laughs> the Bill Press podcast. Heard twice a week now, wherever you get your podcast. Bill, good to have you on. We'll do it again, my friend. All the best to you, sir. Thank you, brother. Talk again soon. Likewise. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.